Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. It is December and we're preparing for the holiday season, right? And so um, I want to share a message with you this morning titled God with us. Um, I don't know about you. I love Christmas, right? Um, there's probably something you maybe should know about me. You know, all the, the five love languages, right? Um, touch and time spent and words of affirmation and um, acts of service and gifts. Yeah, my number one is gifts. And it's Christmas. Me and Allie both were gifts, right? And it's Christmas time. So get in the spirit. All right, never mind. Um, Hey, I want to share some thoughts with you today. Uh, I want to share a verse of scripture that really was the announcement that Christmas was coming that we find here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. Excuse me. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. You know, for those of us that are Christ followers, it's fairly easy to believe that God is with us. Well, it's easy to believe that God is with us when things are going our way, right? It's easy to believe that God is with us when you got that raise on your job that you weren't expecting or or when your kids are acting right instead of like the neighbors, right? It's easy to believe that God is with us when your family's healthy and and you're just kind of cruising along. But how do you know that's not always the case? Because there are times when we are in those mountaintop seasons where we're like, God is so with us. But how many of you know there are also times when we end up in the valley? When we go through those seasons where we got a bad report or someone we love got a bad report from a doctor or, or our job is not going well or our kids are not doing well. And we find ourselves in those valley seasons. And in those seasons, sometimes if we're not careful, it's easier to say, God, where are you? than God with us. But can I just tell you? That those valley seasons serve a purpose, right? That, that there are times when we are in those valley seasons and they can serve a purpose. You know, uh, when you go back and look at history, when they, when they fought a battle, they didn't find it on the mountaintop. No, they fought it, fought it in the valley, right? Because when we're walking and we celebrate God on the mountaintop, but the truth is we grow closer to God many times in the valley, Because on the mountaintop, it's all about celebration. In the valley, we see our great need for God. And many times, that's our greatest seasons of growth. Throughout Scripture, the character of God is spelled out for us over and over and over again. But I want to take this morning and focus on four of the attributes of God that I believe we need to lean on regardless if we're on the mountaintop or in the valley. Wherever we find ourselves today, these four attributes of God need to be something that we walk in daily. 
It's a, it's a verse that's regularly quoted at this time of year. It was written by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He's saying to us. You know what he's saying? He's saying that God has given us a great gift in the way of his son. Over 40 times in scripture, Jesus is called a gift. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Paul says that Jesus is our indescribable gift. You know what that means? That means we will never know everything there is to know about Jesus because there's so much to know about Jesus. That will be 10,000 years into eternity and still be discovering things about Jesus. When I was a kid, I was really into electricity. And that's kind of weird, but like I loved stuff that had to do with electricity. And every year, some of you old people will remember Radio Shack, right? You remember Radio Shack? Radio Shack was like a dream for me, man. I'd go, I'd ride my bike to the Radio Shack in the oil center and I'd buy all these little things. But every year for Christmas, my parents would give me this um, electric thing. It was a board with all kinds of little springs and you could do like a hundred different electrical projects with it, right? You could do all kinds of stuff. I remember one time, I used it and I set up an alarm system in my bedroom. And I'm talking sirens and lights. And, and my older brother who was in college, I was probably 10. My older brother was in college and he had to walk through my bedroom to get to his bedroom. And one night I set the alarm in my bedroom and he was late for curfew. And I don't know how your dad was, but in my house, you didn't mess with my dad when it came to curfew. And so he's thinking he's going to sneak in and nobody's going to know. And when he opened that bedroom door, that alarm went off and then my dad went off. It was awesome. It was amazing. And so but 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 I would get this gift at Christmas and literally all through the summer, I'm still discovering more things that it could do that I didn't realize it could do. Jesus is our indescribable gift. There's so many facets to who he is that we'll never truly understand, even into eternity. But God loves us so much that that's the gift he gave us. For us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Can I just tell you? Jesus came to lift our burdens. Jesus is the universal and eternal king. You remember Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 when, when uh, Paul writes that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is king. And his name shall be called. Here are those four attributes of God we want to talk about today. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. As we head into the holidays for some, this is an exciting time of getting together with family and friends and, and remembering great memories. For some, it's something altogether different. And wherever you find yourself today, listen, God wants to be these things for you. A wonderful counselor a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
wonderful counselor. John said that Jesus, the word became flesh, that Jesus was the word. That word there in the Greek is actually logos. So it's where we get the word logic from. In other words, Jesus is not just a counselor, but he is the source of wisdom itself. How amazing would it be if Jesus was your life coach? Like he just knows everything. Like if Jesus was your life, if he was your counselor or or your therapist, you know, the problem with counsel is counsel is something we're all quick to give, but not so quick to receive. Right. A while back, Tara said we need to go see a marriage counselor. I said, girl, I'm the only counselor you need. (laughs) She didn't buy it. She didn't buy it. All through the Bible, we see God's willingness to lead anyone who would let him. Think about Moses going through the, the leading the children of Israel there through the desert. God led them. He led them day by day. Think about Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers, uh, found himself in prison and in Potiphar's house in trouble. Every step of the way, God led him and God gave him favor. David facing Goliath. Listen, David found the courage to face Goliath because God led him. It's like there's this open invitation from God. If you really want to be led, I'll lead you. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Can I just tell you, if God's going to be your wonderful counselor, you're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's a good counselor. Psalms 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Listen, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Over and over, God proves his willingness and his ability to lead anyone who will follow him. And maybe you're here today and go, well, that's good for church folks, but I don't, I, I'm pretty much a mess. Yeah, well, he wants to be your wonderful counselor too. Remember John chapter four, Jesus with the woman at the well. Jesus is a Jewish man and he finds himself just the two, just him and a Samaritan woman at the well. He broke all the barriers. And if you go read the story, uh, he was with the disciples and he sent the disciples ahead, probably very intentionally so that he could focus on, be a wonderful counselor to a woman who was in need and really a woman who was a mess. But Jesus, as a wonderful counselor, literally transformed that woman's life in one conversation. And if you go read the story, God, Jesus did so much in that moment that she went to her village and they all got saved. And what she said was, she said, I met a man who told me everything about me. So I don't know your story. I don't know where you find yourself, but I know this. He is the great counselor. He is the wonderful counselor and he can touch you right where you are. Uh, Maybe you're here and you go, well, I mean, if Jesus would show up to me, of course I would talk to him. Would you? Would you? Because God's word is God's will. 
right? You remember Psalms 119, verse 115? David wrote, the word, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. You know what that means? Like this, God's word literally lights the way, gives us wisdom, gives us direction. And so sometimes we talk about, well, if God would show up or if God would speak to, listen, he already has. Because the word of God is the will of God. Now, you know, I have a counseling agency and when people come in that have never met with a counselor before, they kind of go, like, what do we do? Where do we start? So I was like, well, ask some questions, right? And then I'll make up answers. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so um, I think if you sat down with Jesus as your wonderful counselor, there's a couple of questions you might want to ask him. For some of you, you need to ask this question. Jesus, wonderful counselor, can I start over? Can I start over? Maybe you think about almost 12 months ago now, where you made some commitments for 2022. I'm not talking about going to the gym or losing weight. I'm talking about your marriage or your finances or maybe making some restitution or or forgiving someone that you really were struggling with. I'm talking about something along that lines. And yet you find yourself wrapping up another year still stuck in the same stuff. When you hear the words failure, sin or regret, is there a part of your life that comes to mind? Because some of us have this bit of our lives tucked away that we work at not remembering. But some of us, we have a choice that we made. We have a mistake that we made. We have a past that we can't stop remembering no matter how hard we try. Yesterday, I spoke at the Freedom Conference and my subject matter was guilt and shame. Guilt is, can be healthy because it's, it's conviction. It's feeling bad about something you did that you shouldn't have done. Shame is not healthy because what guilt says is, I did this and I shouldn't have done it and I need to make it right. Shame says, that is who I am and I'll always be that way and I'll never change. The Holy Spirit brings conviction The enemy brings shame to keep you stuck, right? That you'll never change. I I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll say this because it's important. There's two words in scripture that you should be aware of. One is conviction. Conviction always comes from the Holy Spirit and conviction always leads you to Jesus. Right. When you do something you shouldn't do, when you do something you said you wouldn't do, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and he he pricks your heart and and he makes you aware of it. And then he maybe reminds you of first John one nine that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And he reminds you of the goodness of God and that God is there waiting to forgive you. But there's another word in scripture that's condemnation. Condemnation always comes from the devil, always comes from Satan, and it always draws you away from Jesus. The enemy comes and says this, look what you did. You did it again. You'll never change. You'll always be the same. That's who you are. And then all of a sudden, you feel defeated and you feel full of shame. Listen, the enemy wants to keep you stuck. When you don't know what voice you're hearing, ask yourself this question. Is this leading me to Christ or is this leading me away from Christ? 
And remember Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And what the devil wants to do is bring condemnation and shame where Jesus wants to bring forgiveness and freedom and liberty. Don't take Satan's bait. With God as your personal advisor, with all the wisdom of the most wonderful counselor, wouldn't that be the moment we should ask? God, you know that one thing? God, that one night, that one deed, that one stretch of my life, can I get over that? Can I start new? God, will you help me to get past this? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, and behold, the new has come. Can I just remind you today, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can start over because God is a redeemer. And whatever it is for you, Jesus took it to the cross. Jesus took it to the cross. That shameful life, those wasted years, he took it all the way to the cross and he died with it. Let the cross of Christ count for you. I think you should ask him, can I start over? Maybe you should ask him, what now? Or what next? I think that's a question that every one of us should ask. I think as we prepare for a new year, it's a great opportunity to reevaluate where we are and where we want to be and just go, God, God, what's next for me this year? God, what, what do you have for me? I want to I want to walk in all that you have for me. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 29 says this also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. God, what now? What next? When you go to scripture, then you begin to learn how to live the life that God created you to live. Listen, he wants to be your wonderful counselor. But he's not just a wonderful counselor. He's also a mighty God. And there is an open invitation to anyone going through anything. God says, I will be mighty for you and I'll be mighty on your behalf. I'll give you my strength if you want it. Uh, Taylor um, referenced this story earlier in his front end. Um, Mark chapter six. We see this passage of scripture in Luke chapter six, as well as Mark chapter six. Jesus feeds the 5000 and then he sends the disciples ahead uh, in the boat and the, the winds rise up and they're in the middle of a storm. And uh, scripture says that Jesus says Jesus sees that they're not making progress, that they're really struggling. And Jesus steps in. Listen, the disciples weren't lazy, but they were limited. And can I just tell you, sometimes we're we're pr- trying to press press through things and yet we're limited. And sometimes you got to come to a place where you call out on a mighty God who can do what you can never do. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, first chapter 12, verse nine says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Listen, let's allow God to step in. Here's what you need to know. The storm didn't stop until they invited Jesus into the boat. You know, when your kids are little or maybe they're older, even when they're older, they're struggling with something and you're sitting there going, if you would just ask, I could help you. Right. Oh, your kids are smarter than my kids. I don't think so. Girls, come up here and do some math. 
talking about math. I'm like, you know, when they were little, it's like they're trying to put something together and they can't. And they're getting frustrated. I'm like, just let me. Now they're doing math and they're getting frustrated. I'm like, I don't have a clue what you're doing. <laughs> Call your mama. Right. She went to Turlings. I went to LCA. Two different. Never mind. That's a whole nother. But man, we're good in football. We're so good in football. Seriously. No, really, we are. Please, nobody report me. But just like you just want to say, just let me help. And I think there are times when God is watching us struggle in our finances, in our marriage, in our job, and whatever it is. And I think there are times when he goes, just just let me come in. Just let me step in and help you. Let him into your storm. And secondly, let him be your I am. Do you remember when Moses was at the burning bush and God is there and God speaks to him through the bush and he says, who should I tell? What should I tell them? Who should I tell them that you are? And he simply says this, I am that I am. He's saying a couple of things there. I am who I've always been. I am who I always will be. But the other thing he's saying there is this. I am that I am, which simply means I am whatever you need me to be. You need a healer? I am. You need a deliverer? I am. You need a redeemer? I am. You need a savior? I am. I am that I am. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. A mighty God is who he is, who he's always been, and who he will always be. And then thirdly, he's an everlasting father. Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah says he'll be a wonderful counselor. He'll be a mighty God. He'll be an everlasting father. He'll be a prince of peace. Everlasting father was quite a name for a newborn baby. But remember, God knew more than just Jesus being a baby in a manger. He knew that one day he would pay the price for my sin and for yours. That one day every knee would bow. One day every tongue would confess him as Lord. What does it mean that he's he's our everlasting father? I know that many people don't have a, a good image of fathers depending on the father that you grew up with. The one you had might have been more temporary than everlasting. But here we're told that whoever we are, Jesus, the Messiah, will be an everlasting father to us if we let him. In order for us to live the life he created us to live, I think there's some things that he wants from us. Have you ever talked to someone who's... Parents have passed away or their father has passed away and they say this. I just wish I'd spent more time with my dad. My dad had so much wisdom that I just didn't appreciate because I was younger. And I just wish I could go back and hear that wisdom again. You know what they're saying? What I needed was there, but I didn't take advantage of it. What I needed was there, but I didn't value it. And I think if we're going to allow, if Jesus is going to be our everlasting father, there are a few things that we need to give him. Number one, we need to give him our dependence. This is kind of actually backward parenting, right? We raise our kids so that one day they'll be independent. 
we've got a junior and a freshman. We're, like, we're already buying suitcases for Gabby to get ready. She, it's time to go. Right? And I mean, we're not, we know we've got a year and a half, but I mean, we want her to be independent. Okay, I'm joking. But God, I'll have a whole lot more money once Gabby leaves. And I'll get a whole more, a lot more love from Madeline when it's just me, Madeline, and Tara. But we've got to give, we've got to give him our dependence. God teaches us and instructs us in a way that we will learn dependence upon him. Can I just tell you, God will regularly and intentionally put us in situations where we must depend on him. This is why many times God challenges us beyond our resources. God puts us in situations where he asks us to do what we can't do alone because he wants us to depend on him. Do you remember Psalms 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Because in the end, your everlasting father is a provider. We've got to give him our dependence. Secondly, we've got to give him our attention. Let me ask a question. When you're in a crisis, will it be more helpful to focus on the crisis or to focus on God? When things change, and will it be more helpful to look at everything that's changing around you or to focus on the God that never changes? Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says this, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Remember what scripture also says? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. The problem is so many times, instead of having our eyes on our everlasting father, we've got our eyes on everything going on around us. And this has our focus. When we turn our focus to him, all of a sudden, we will find the strength we need for the season that we're in. He needs our dependence. He needs our attention. And he needs our faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says this. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of students, stewards that they be found faithful. Can I just tell you, God is much more interested in our faithfulness than he is in our knowledge. God is much more interested in who he knows we are than who everybody else thinks we are. And God's not looking for a great performance from you. He's simply looking for faithfulness. Not perfection, but faithfulness. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, And then he's also our prince of peace. Though the circumstances leading up to the birth of Christ were anything but peaceful, as soon as he was born, things begin to change. You know, if you go to uh, Luke chapter 2 and you read the Christmas story, you will see that uh, they had to travel back for the census. It required Joseph to travel back to the town of his ancestors and there to record his occupation, his property, and his family. And many others followed him as well. The trip for most would have been less than peaceful. If you're a parent and you've ever taken vacation with your kids, you know that's not always a fun trip. Right? She's looking at me. He just touched me. Right? And you're like, who had these kids? And who wants these kids? 
Luke chapter 2. In the midst of everything they were going through, Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It was during that first hectic, chaotic, and even, even frightening Christmas that God said, My son, I will give you peace. And not only will I give you peace, I will be your peace if you let me. Because he's not just a wonderful counselor. He's not just a mighty God or an everlasting father. He is our peace. Let me ask you a question as we prepare to wrap up. In this season, is this season filled with peace for you or is it filled with anxiety and stress? With all the people you have to buy for and do you have financial peace? Can I share something with you? We so miss the purpose of Christmas many times because we literally max out credit cards. We go into bondage celebrating the king who came to set us free. Think about that. There are people who, they don't deal with depression through the holidays. I mean, I know a lot of people do. Their depression comes January, February, March, when the credit card bills start rolling in and they realize how much money they spend. Listen, do not go into bondage celebrating a savior who came to set you free. Can I just tell you, if the people in your life and the people in your circle can't hear from you, you know, it was just kind of a tough year. We just weren't able to do everything we normally do. If they can't hear that from you, problem isn't you. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to be honest. Do not be willing to put you and your family in a financial situation that is going to bring bondage and stress and anxiety. That's all I have to say about that. With the thought of spending time with relatives, do you have family peace? With all the people you feel obligated to in this season, do you have relational peace? I know that depression can be really big at this time of the year. Do you have emotional peace? I don't know where you are, but I know this, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace makes an invitation to us. He gives us an invitation right here in Matthew chapter 11. And he says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know if I've ever shared this story here, but I shared it yesterday at the Freedom Conference. I share, I speak at Freedom for a number of churches, and I always share it because it's, really is a powerful story of what we can do and what God can do. I do have a counseling agency and I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm a licensed minister. And so when people come in, they have to sign a disclaimer saying that they understand I'm not a licensed therapist. And 
one time this couple came in. They were in their early 40s and it was probably about four or five years ago. And I gave them the paperwork. And then while they filled that out, I walked into my office and I came back out and I saw that he was griping and complaining to his wife about the disclaimer. And so I, I did what I always do. Hey, sir, listen, it's not a problem. Let me just tell you, I've been counseling for 25 years and I counsel a whole lot of licensed therapists and, and all this stuff. But there's no obligation. You, you're free to go. And he goes, we'll stay. Okay. So he sits down in my, they sit down in my office and he won't look at me. And his wife begins talking and she literally probably tells me, the, the most bizarre childhood story I've ever heard in my life. And, and I would ask him a question. He would just grunt. He would just go, uh. I'm like, dude, give me something. I go through the entire hour and the man won't speak to me. And, and I, I don't use scripture in my sessions. Um, with the, in the first session, if I know that people probably are not believers, right? But I pray with everybody. And my thought process is, once I pray with you, if you come back, you know what you're getting yourself into, <laughs> right? And so I said, hey, can I say a prayer for y'all? And he goes, yeah. So I bow my head and I'm telling you, I started praying the simplest prayer you can ever imagine. And all of a sudden, in the middle of my prayer, that wasn't lengthy, in the middle of my prayer, I hear this noise, and it's him. And I think to myself, this man's either having a seizure or he's manifesting a demon. A seizure, I can call 911. I don't know what I'm going to do with this demon. Right? And so I'm thinking to myself, should I peek? Like, I'm, I'm praying, and... Like, should I look? Should I peek? What should I do? But so I had to peek. I mean, it was like, it was like obvious. And so I, I look up. This man who wouldn't speak to me, this man who didn't want to look at me, is literally sobbing. He's sobbing and he's shaking like this. He's just shaking. And I said, Amen. And his wife looked at him and said what I wanted to say, but didn't have the guts to say. She goes, what was that? I'm like, yeah, I want to know the same thing. (laughs) And this is what that man said. I had spent an hour doing what I knew to do. And that man looked at me and his wife and he said this. He said, when I was a little boy, my grandmother would take me to a Pentecostal church. And every time I went to church, I felt God. And he said, I haven't felt God in 30 years until that man just started praying. Listen, this is not about my prayer. It was just the child's prayer. This is about the power of the Holy Spirit. This is about the power of the wonderful counselor. This is about the Prince of Peace and the Everlasting Father. Just remember this, go through freedom. I promise you, it will be to your benefit. Some of you need to go through it more than once. Get inner healing. I'm being serious. Good inner healing. We, we provide inner healing here. We've got great counselors here. Devin Brown and Tammy Ma, different ones. I'm telling you, do all you can do. But when it's all said and done, do not forget that there are some times where God has to step in and God will do what only God can do. And that's what you need to be open to. God's for you. 
Maybe you grew up in religion and you feel like God's mad at you or God's turned his back on you. Listen, that's not the God we find here. His grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every morning. You bow your heads. I just want to ask you a quick question. If you're here today and you say, you know, when I think about where I am, I really need Jesus to be my wonderful counselor. I don't know what direction to go. I don't know what steps to take. I don't know how to fix the situation I'm in. Maybe you're here today and I'm facing a mountain that is so big. I need a mighty God to do what only a mighty God can do. Maybe today you just need God to be your dad. Remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he said he was facing the cross and he said, Abba, Father. He was saying, Daddy God, I don't know what to do. And maybe you just need Daddy God to be there with you. Maybe today you're so filled with anxiety and stress you just need a you need the peace that only Prince Jesus can bring. I'm gonna ask you, if you're here today and you go, I need one of those, just raise your hand and put it right back down. I'm just asking you, just, just kind of as just a little statement of faith, just put it right back down. I'm not asking you to stand. I just want to pray with you before we dismiss. All over this room, people are raising their hands. Let's pray. Father. We thank you that you're here today. That you're literally here today and you would say the same thing to us that you said to Moses thousands of years ago when you said, I am that I am. I am what you need me to be. God, there are, the, there are people in this room that need you to step in. God, there are people in this room who just need a wonderful Savior a wonderful counselor. Lord, we invite you today. If that's you and you raise your hand or you didn't, you should have either to yourself or out loud, just say, Jesus, I invite you in today. Lord, we invite you in today. God, forgive us for getting to the place where we do everything we know to do and then all we have left to do is pray. God, we should have gone to you first. God, today I just pray that you would meet each and every one of us right where we are. For those that need a savior, I pray, be their savior. For those who need a redeemer, be their redeemer. Lord, for those who need a deliverer because they're bound up with something, God, I pray, set them free today. And Lord, we pray, help us to live our lives in such a way that we walk in dependence on you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.